Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. In a copy of The Economist magazine, I recently came across another scientific article on archaeology and the discovery of many human bones hidden in a cave in Spain. It is said that these bones are enough and thought to date back to a period which they claim to be about 350,000 years ago. That's a long time. I often take issue with the presuppositions and assumptions these writers take when writing about nature, archaeology, and the discoveries of scientific research. Mostly they take the position that evolution is an indisputable fact and base their conclusions on a world without a creator. You will therefore appreciate that we approach the discoveries and the conclusions drawn from points of view that are diametrically opposite to theirs. The same is true of this most recent article. I do not normally question the pure science being discussed. I'm not capable of that. I'm not a scientist. But just as some of the conclusions suggested are, I think, in error. In this particular piece, discussing these very ancient human bones and trying to place them in a progression of evolving ancestors of the human race, a complex process fraught with gaps and missing components, the journal wrote a paragraph that took my breath away in a manner of speaking. Perhaps the journalist was being frankly honest with the notes provided him by the scientists on this particular project. Maybe he was on the verge of accepting the necessity of introducing a creator into the discussion and recognizing that man's theories and desperate attempts to explain creation and the origins of the universe without a God are not good. I don't know, but I was intrigued by the paragraph as he began to conclude his article about these bones that I read. Remember King Agrippa and his conversation with the Apostle Paul? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul had presented such incontrovertible facts with such persuasion and authenticity that Agrippa was obviously on the verge of becoming a believer, perhaps. I had that same feeling when I read this paragraph that I referred to from the magazine describing how scientists were cataloging a lot of recently discovered human bones from a cave in Spain. He certainly was not an avid evolutionist. Listen to his words as he begins to conclude his article on these bones, and I quote, As is generally the case in studies of human fossils, then, each new finding raises more questions than it answers. The problem is lack of evidence, for fossils of human species other than sapiens are incredibly rare. Paleontologists fall into new scraps like they were starving wolves, as they might on a rabbit. But building a coherent story out of it is a long-winded business. End of quote. Didn't you hear the skepticism in his choice of words and thoughts? 
raises more questions than it answers, he says. The problem is a lack of evidence, he says. They fall on each scrap of new evidence as starving wolves, a long-winded business. All this, to me, shouts that they are hard-pressed to find a reasonable explanation to all of this creation. And they must be long-winded with many words and hollow ideas, trying desperately to convince each other that this could have happened without the hand of a creator God. For me, as I've said before, it takes less faith to believe that in the beginning, God created. As I walked into the room As I stood before him face to face I was gloriously made new There was a great and awesome presence And a light as bright as day As I bowed to kneel with the angels I heard the Spirit say All of the Holy One. All rise, all rise, as you worship the Messiah. all around me with their hands uplifted high and the spirit laid his hand on me and I uplifted mine we were singing hallelujahs praises to his name and as I bowed to kneel with the angels I heard the spirit say all of the Holy One. All rise, all rise, as we worship the Messiah, singing holy, 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 worthy, worthy is the Lamb, who was and is and is to come. He is the great I Before the throne 
in the presence of the Holy One. We worship the Messiah All rise All rise, all rise Our song shall rise to of the Holy One. All rise, all rise, as we worship the Messiah. All rise, all rise, all rise. And now with his message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the fourth message in our series on the family and violence, which I have subtitled, How to Bring Up Non-Violent Children in a Violent Society. Based on Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 9 and James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3, we have concluded from a theological and biblical perspective that since the home was the originating environment for violence, then the home is also the first environment that must be addressed to prevent violence from occurring in the first instance. We have been discussing elements that go into developing a Christian home environment that will help in bringing this about. A basic text for our overall emphasis is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, which God commands the visual as they entered the promised land. I quote that passage now. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. End of quote. The basic principle stated in this passage remains as true and relevant today as they did when they were first given by God thousands of years ago. Now, we have discussed some of these principles in detail in our earlier messages, and we are now discussing some practical guidelines as to what parents can do to raise children to resist violence in a violent culture. And so, continuing where I left off in our last message, 
I want to complete my remarks concerning the negative impact of uncensored television upon children. Michael Suman, coordinator of the Center for Communications Policy at the University of California at Los Angeles, did a three-year analysis of the effects of violence on television. He makes the following conclusive observation based upon those studies and analyses. Quote, violence on television basically has three types of negative effects on people. One, increased violence. Many studies show that violence on TV actually leads to aggressive, violent behavior in the world, most prominently through imitation. They see people violent on TV, that's our children, and they copy them as models. Our children imitate what they see on TV and on the screen. Two, desensitization and callousness. He says people become desensitized. This includes being callous towards people who've been victim of violence. Ted Bear, movie and television specialist and publisher of the Christian Movie Guide comments, and I quote, We say it's okay. We see it on television. That behavior is therefore fine and acceptable. End of quote. We no longer then object to behavior and language that a few years ago we would have been insulted by. We become very desensitized and it's corrupting. Three, fear. It makes children more fearful, he says, to continue to see violence on TV and the movie screen. Children, they have the false notion that violence or abuse is around every corner and that there's no good in this world. Now, while this may be partly true, it is misleading and can cause much damage during the development stages of life. End of quote. And so I put it to you today, my friends, that unsupervised freedom of children to access such violent programs on TV and in movie constitutes a major element in our culture of death and violence in the Bahamas today. Now, as mentioned last time, this deals directly with parental responsibility in the home, something that seems to be sadly lacking for the most part in our society today. This, I say once again, is what contributes to the culture of fear, violence, and death in our society today. I state without reservation, based upon credible and sustained studies, one of the greatest enemies of today's family is an unchecked, unscented media, and in particular, TV and the movies. When it comes to the encouragement of violence in our society, these are the leading candidates, and we as parents have a grave responsibility of protecting our children from their deadly influence. This is one way that we can bring up non-violent children in a violent society. However, unfortunately, most parents, for the most part, are doing a, an extremely poor job here. Many of the movies watched in Christian homes today would not have even been allowed to be shown in public theaters 20 years ago. We excuse ourselves by saying, this is progress, this is development. But really, it's a loss of holiness 
and sensitivity to the things that grieve the heart of God. We have, whether we realize it or not, whether we admit it or not, adapted to the secularist and morally permissive lifestyle of the 21st century and society. And we have accepted this as social and economic progress. What a pity. God calls it, though, loss of sensitivity to the divine and to the holiness of life that he demands. But he says, without holiness, no one will see God. Research has shown that violent or aggressive behavior is often learned very early in life. However, parents, family, members, and others who care for children can help these children to learn to deal with emotions without using violence. Parents and others can also take steps to reduce or minimize violence. And this is what must be done if we are going to bring up our children to be nonviolent while living in a violent society. And so here's the third guideline. Limit the amount of media exposure in the home. There's no doubt that the average young person sees entirely too much violence on TV and the movies. Parents must therefore set limits to what a child watches and evaluate both the quantity and quality of their media input. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 teaches us that our minds should be renewed with the word of God, not with violence and death. The Bible tells us we must focus on what is pure, what is beautiful, what is true, what is right, what is honorable, what is excellent, and what is praiseworthy. Philippians 4.8 You certainly do not see these things on TV today and on the movie screens. Four, watch TV or movies with your children. Now, obviously, we should limit the amount of time that our children watch and the movies they watch. But when they do watch these things, we should try to watch it with them. We can encourage discussion with children during the programs. But it could become a teaching moment if we approach it properly as parents. Fifth, work to establish media guidelines for your children. Protest theaters, ZNS TV, and cable Bahamas if necessary, if you feel that too much trash is being shown on our screens. Write the newspapers. Don't just complain, but do nothing. Violence, my friends, is the scourge of our society, but we can make a difference if we act. We must educate ourselves about its influence and impact upon our lives. You can help stem the tide of violence in the society if you are diligent as a parent. You can do much to change this culture of violence for your children and your grandchildren. Do not be afraid of being called those who cause censorship on these things. When it comes to your children, certain things should be censored. But then, number six, administer abusive-free discipline. Repeat that. Administer abusive-free discipline. Here is what is being taught today when it comes to corporate punishment in our society. I quote from a pamphlet on the subject, quote, Do not hit your children, the pamphlet says. Emotional hitting, slapping, or speaking children can send a message 
to them that it's okay with others to solve problems and can train them to punish others in the same way that they are being punished. Physical punishments stop unwanted behavior only for a short time. Even with very harsh punishment, this pamphlet says, children may adapt so that it has little or no effect. Using even more punishment is equally ineffective. End of quote. Now this is well-meaning, but I think misleading in many cases. For instance, I saw a trial on TV the other day, yes, TV, in which a father was tried for hitting his 13-year-old daughter with the belt because of misbehavior. His neighbor called the police when he heard the child crying in the house. When the police came, they saw some red marks on the, on the child's leg. The father was arrested and charged with child assault. Now, fortunately, he was found not guilty after 40 minutes of deliberation by the jury. However, I believe that the Bible gives clear directives for the use of the rod, but only on older children and only for repeated disobedience and rebellion. Only use the rod, my friends, if you can do so without anger and in a controlled manner so as to discipline rather than punish and to show love rather than revenge. A careful, hermeneutically based study of the book of Proverbs, for instance, will show that this is what the scripture teaches concerning the use of the rod. Non-physical methods of discipline can also help children deal with their emotions and teach them non-violent ways to solve problems. Here are some suggestions adopted from a brochure which is a collaborative project of the American Psychological Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics. I quote now, Give children time out, making the children sit quietly, usually one minute for each year of age. However, this is not appropriate for very young children. Taking away certain taking away certain privileges or treats, grounding, not allowing the children to play with friends or participate in school or community activities. Now, this is only appropriate for older children or, or adolescents, end of quote. And so punishment that involves taking away privileges or grounding should be consistently applied for realistic periods. Children need to feel that if they make mistakes, then they can correct them without being abusive or having, or having any abusive treatment given towards them. Show your children how to learn from their mistakes. Help them to figure out what they did wrong and how they can avoid making similar mistakes in the future. It is especially important not to embarrass or humiliate your child at these times. Children always need to feel your love and your respect, not your anger or your revenge. A positive approach to changing behavior is to emphasize rewards for good behavior instead of punishment for bad behavior. Remember that praise and affection are the best rewards. Such discipline could go a long way, my friends, in correcting and even, and even turning around this culture of violence and death we are now experiencing in our country. Let me ask you then, 
Will you, as a Christian parent, help to make this change by implementing Christian principles for bringing up your children in your home? You can do so. Make a change. As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There to stay. Hold the fort a little longer. In your struggle over sin. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again, I am listening every moment, for the mighty trumpet sound, what a time we'll have together, when the saints shall leave the ground, and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again